1: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word.
2: It's not a battle plan. You know, we're just going to trust the Lord to defend us. But what do you mean? We're just going to trust the Lord <laughs> He's going because He said He's going to protect us. Yeah, but they're amassing an army on the border. They're about to invade the land. Yeah, well, the Lord said he's going to protect us. We're just trusting that he's going to protect us. They wanted a tangible, something they could see to protect them. They wanted an army. They wanted a big army. That's why they go to Assyria.
1: While it can be fairly easy to look down upon some of the decisions Israel made out of a lack of faith, they definitely had their fair share of tests. From living in the middle of a desert with no real water source to foreign nations laying siege upon them, these tests of faith were nothing to scoff at. As Pastor Dan will teach you in his message today, a lot of Israel's disasters could have been avoided by simply trusting in God. In his study, you'll learn about the consequences that Ahaz has brought upon the nation by choosing to trust in the Assyrians rather than God's Word. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 8 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10. And again, this is, this is Deuteronomy. So this is before the children of Israel come into the promised land. They're about to enter in. And the Lord says in Deuteronomy eleven ten, For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and you watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. In Egypt, they had the Nile River, and they created canal systems to water their fields, to water their crops. And so that's what the idea here is with watering it by foot. They were able, they created mechanisms to carry the water through canal systems out into their fields to water their crops. In other words, they could, they could use their own ingenuity and their own engineering and their own ability to water their crops when they were in Egypt. And God says, Israel's not going to be like that. The land I'm taking you to is not going to be like the land you've come out of. He says in verse 11, But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. There's no river. You're going to have to depend on rain. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain which softens the soil so you can plant your seed and the latter rain, which causes the crop to uh, really be fruitful, large, the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. In Egypt, they could depend upon themselves and their own ingenuity to produce their crops because they had the Nile River. In Israel, there's no river. There's just brooks, there's springs, there's fountains, and they're going to have to depend upon the rain to water their crops. In other words, in Israel, they're going to have to live by faith. They're going to have to live by faith. They're going to have to trust the Lord to provide sufficient rain at the right time of year to water the crops. Because they're not going to be able to engineer that in, in Israel the way that they could engineer it in Egypt and control it. It's totally by faith in Israel. And he tells them that it's going to be contingent upon their obedience to his commands. And so now in Israel, they have to live by faith. They have to trust the Lord. Going back to Isaiah, when Isaiah says that Judah has rejected the waters of Shiloh, Shiloh is what God provided for the water source for the people living in the city of Jerusalem. And so when Isaiah says they've rejected the waters of Shiloh, he's saying they've rejected God's provision for them. God's called them to live a life of faith. And they don't like living a life of faith. They don't want to live a life of faith. They don't like that. They don't, they don't like that system. They, they want it to walk by sight, not by faith. The northern kingdom of Israel and Syria, they're about to invade into their land. And, and, and they don't want to just believe by faith that God will protect them and prevent them from invading and destroying the city of Jerusalem and taking over. They don't want to live by faith. They don't want to just trust that God's going to do that. They don't want to just like, believe His word and His promise to them. They, they, you know, that, to them, that's not a battle plan. That's not a battle plan. You know, we're just going to trust the Lord to defend us. Well, what do you mean? We're just going to trust the Lord. Because he said he's going to protect us. Yeah, but they're amassing an army on the border. They're about to invade the land. Yeah, well, the Lord said he's going to protect us. We're just trusting that he's going to protect us. They wanted a tangible, something they could see to protect them. They wanted an army, they wanted a big army. That's why they go to Assyria. They don't want a trickling spring, they want a mighty river. A mighty river feels more substantial, it feels safe to them, you know, much more than a spring just bubbling up out of the ground. And they've rejected what God has provided for them, and they've gone off, and they've, they've gotten their own provision, their own protection now, going to Assyria. And what the Lord says in verses 7 and 8 is, if you notice this, they're, they're trusting in Assyria to protect them, but he tells them in verses 7 and 8, that Assyria will not only overflow the northern kingdom and Syria, they will also invade into Judah also. They, they will flood into Judah like a river overflowing its banks. And look at verse 8. They will reach up to your neck, it says. So they will not completely wipe out Judah, but they're really going to devastate the land of Judah. They're going to just overflow the land. This nation that Judah is trusting in, the Lord is warning them, they're going to turn against you. And they're not going to stop at the border once they destroy the northern kingdom. They're going to invade Judah as well. And the Lord is warning them here that it's going to bring devastation to their own land. This invasion, it takes place during the reign of King Hezekiah. It's described in 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 13 to 16. And we're told there that when Assyria invaded the southern kingdom of Judah, it says they took all of the fortified cities of Judah, all of them but Jerusalem. So the Assyrians invaded and they conquered all of the cities except for for Jerusalem. But Just imagine that. Their their whole nation is conquered, all but one city. That's all they have left. And that's what God meant when he said the water will be up to your neck. Assyria is going to come in and take everything except for Jerusalem. And look at the end of verse 8. The end of verse 8, it says, Assyria will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Remember back in chapter 7, verse 14, it's where we saw that, that name, Emmanuel. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we know that that's fulfilled ultimately by Jesus Christ. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And verse 8 is telling us that the land of Israel belongs to Emmanuel. It belongs to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that one day Jesus Christ will return physically to the earth. And he will return specifically to the land of Israel, to the city of Jerusalem. And he will establish his kingdom there in Jerusalem. And he will rule over all of the earth from that city in the land of Israel. So the land belongs to Emmanuel. Now look at verse 9. God is speaking to Judah. Remember Judah, has, they're not trusting the Lord. They're trusting in Assyria. And God has just told them that, hey, Assyria is going to come and attack you as well and, and conquer your land as well. And they still don't repent. They still don't turn to the Lord, even with that news. So then in verse 9, the Lord says, Be shattered, O you peoples, and be broken in pieces. Give ear, all you from far countries. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, but be broken in pieces. God says to Judah, gird yourselves. Prepare for battle if you want to. (laughs) But you're going to be broken into pieces. In verse 10, take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Now the Lord says to Judah, take counsel together. Work out a strategy. Come Come up with a plan. But whatever strategy you come up with, it will come to nothing. Speak the word, but it will not stand. God is with us speak, speak the word make, make a declaration if you want Assyria has entered into this confederacy with Judah they have this, this agreement together that Assyria is an ally and it's going to come to their defense if you want to make a declaration with Assyria and request of them not to invade your land if you want to give them some kind of stern warning or whatever you want to do go ahead but it's not going to work nothing's going to work it's all going to come to nothing. None of it's going to stand. The only thing that will work for Judah is repenting and trusting in in God. And, And God is saying to them, nothing else that you try will work. And then Isaiah says, for God is with us. This is God's doing. God's will will be done. Despite Judah's plans, despite Judah's actions, God's will is going to be done in this. You know, for us, Jesus said in the last days that the nations of the earth will be in turmoil. And they are. And, and we're told that uh, the problems facing the nations of the world will be so complex that uh, the people will not be able to fix the problems that we're facing in the world. And we can't. And no matter what we try and no matter what, what plan we come up with or what laws we pass or what policies we pass or what kind of declarations we make or any of that, none of it's going to work. None of it's going to work. The only thing that's going to work is if people humble themselves and repent and turn back to God for help. And God sends a revival. That's the only thing that's going to work. And, and we can have all the policies and all the experts and all the Ivy League graduates working on the problems and trying to solve them. You think about that. Think about how you know, the, the people that are in leadership in our nation have gone to some of the best schools in the nation. Ivy League schools. And things are getting worse. They're not getting better. We have the smartest people in our nation working on these things and they're getting worse. That's because it's really a spiritual issue. And the only thing that will turn the tide is turning back to the Lord. And God sends a revival to our nation and to the world. And Isaiah says here to Judah, he says, you know, try whatever you want to try, but nothing's going to work. Because you're not walking in God's will. You're walking in your own will. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Now look at verse 11. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. So God gave Isaiah a very strong warning or an admonishment. And he told him, do not walk in the way of this people. Do not be like these people. Do not think like they do. Do not behave like they do. And again, for us, we should not behave like the world. We should not be like the world. We've been called out of the world. We should be separated from the world. And we should act differently from the world. And, and think differently than non-believers think. Look at verse 12. The Lord tells Isaiah specifically how he should be different from the people. Look what it says here. This is so interesting to me. I mean, again... Judah is, is coming to the end here, and the nation is unraveling. Remember we saw in, in an earlier chapter, I think it was chapter 2 or 3, where the Lord said he's going to take away the leaders and the military leaders and the knowledgeable people, and I'm going to give you children to be the leaders of your nation, people who are inexperienced and unqualified to lead the nation, and that is, that's a part of God's judgment against the nation, that they don't have qualified leaders anymore to lead the nation. Well, look at what else is happening in that nation as they're coming to the end here. And as judgment is looming over the nation, it says in verse 12, here's what the people were doing. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. The people of Judah, as they were getting to the end, they were calling everything a conspiracy. Everything's a conspiracy. You know that everything's some kind of secret evil plot and plan. You watch the news lately? <laughs> everything's a conspiracy, isn't it? Everything. This this person is you know has connections to this group or that country or this government, and they're in collusion together, and they've got this secret relationship, and all it's just all it's just all a big conspiracy. And that's all that the people were talking about in the nation of Judah as, as the clock was winding down. And the Lord says to Isaiah, don't be like those people. Don't be like those people. As Christians, we shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be caught up in all the conspiracy stuff that's going on in our nation right now. And and we shouldn't act like the world in this way. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. Nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The, The people of the nation were fearful. It was a fearful time in the nation. They were afraid of these threats. They were afraid of the trouble that was threatening them from Syria and from the northern kingdom. And the Lord says to Isaiah, don't be like that. You don't be afraid. You don't be fearful. Instead, he says in verse 13, the Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear. And let him be your dread. He says, fear the the Lord. Don't fear what man might do. Fear the Lord. See, that's how... That's how we should be different from the world around us. We're not caught up in all the conspiracy stuff. And we're not afraid of all the things that the non-believers are afraid of. You know, we have the peace that passes understanding, ruling in our hearts and in our minds. Because we fear the Lord. We fear the Lord more. We're concerned about what God thinks more than anything else. And look at verse 14. He, the Lord, will be as a sanctuary, a safe place. Even if the conspiracies turn out to be true, even if the threats are real and they materialize, the Lord's our sanctuary. The Lord's our sanctuary. He's our refuge. I mean, really, what what are you going to do? What are you going to do if uh, the next missile warning is real and not a false alarm? I mean, are going to stockpile food and guns and ammunition and, you know, shoot people as they're coming across your yard? That sounds like a real Christ-like thing to do, doesn't it? Now, what are you going to do? Even if something really does happen, and God forbid that it does, what are you going to do? You're going to trust the Lord. You're going to put your faith in Him. And He's going to be your sanctuary. He's going to be your safe place. He's going to be your refuge. And in Psalm 46... It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea, though though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. Just at the break of dawn, the nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. You know, even if the waters roar, even if the mountains are removed, even if the earth is removed, even if you know, the foundational things are taken away, the Lord's our refuge. He's our trust. Our hope is in him. Our hope's not in anything else. Our trust is in the Lord. You know, look at verse 14 again. He will be as a sanctuary to us that put our trust in him. A safe place, a refuge. But he will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many among them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken and be snared and taken. The Lord is a sanctuary for those who put their trust in him, but he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to those of, who reject him. Instead of finding protection from the Lord, they will trip over him to their own destruction. Just to share a couple passages with you. Jesus, when he wept over the city of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 13. Jesus said of Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. As a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And assuredly, I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus says, "All, all I wanted to do was gather you together under my wings and protect you. I wanted to be a sanctuary for you. I wanted to be a refuge for you. I wanted to provide safety for you but you wouldn't let me. And he says, and so your house is left to you desolate. You're going to be destroyed.
1: That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth.